Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Yevamot, daf nun pei, page 55. Well, as you're going to see, particularly at the bottom of this daf, there's even more sexually explicit content. I feel like this would be a daf that needs, you know, like one of those warnings, Anne, you get- like, Not for song. children. Yes, not for children. <laughs> sexually explicit lyrics. Yeah, that's this daf. Um, so I think, uh, you know, so I just want to read one little part here that's, that was interesting to me, uh, that's sort of in the middle to the bottom of, um, the dot. So the, the beginning of the dot really spent a lot of time from a discussion that was started yesterday about trying to figure out when or how can we compare different forbidden sexual relationships and what can we learn from that? And the Gemara essentially concludes in the end right, that all types of forbidden intercourse are compared uh, to one another. Um, and, and therefore, they sort of ask a question, which is that it already said in Vayikra chapter 18, uh, verses 29, that whoever does any of these forbidden sexual relationships is going to be punished with curry. But then when it talks about one sister, it mentions it explicitly that you also would get curry. So the question the Gemara wants to ask is, why do we need to specifically mention uh, the forbidden sexual relationship with one sister that that's also punishable by karet when we already had a previous pasuk that said if you engage in any of these forbidden uh, sexual relationships, uh, it's punished. It's punishable by karet. And Rabbi and Rabbi Yochanan makes to me, which is maybe the most fantastical of all fantastical boundary-pushing statements we have ever read. Ulik into Rabbi Yochanan. Da'ama Rabbi Yochanan. She'ima san kulam behelam achat. Chayev al-kol achat v'achat. Yes, I read that dramatically. So Rabbi Yochanan says that if he performed all of them, in other words, somebody found some way to violate every single prohibited sexual act, in a, right, in Behelam Echat. Remember, we've had that concept before in Hilchot Shabbat, right? It's the idea of sort of in one lapse, in one moment, uh, somebody does a whole series of Chata'im, right? So we had that with Hilchot Shabbos, you know, if somebody could violate uh, multiple um, uh, prohibited uh, Melachot, right? In, you know, Behelam Echat, how many Chata'ot would they bring? How many sin offerings would they bring? And so here, Rabbi Yochanan is saying, yeah, the reason why he mentions Karid specifically was the sister is to teach us is that if somebody, per, you know, engaged in every single forbidden act, they would actually have to bring a uh, korban. Here we're talking about if they did it b'shogeg, right? Not on purpose, but b'shogeg, uh, that they would actually have to bring um, a sin offering on each and every one. Right. Because what we might have thought is, is that, um, you know, that there it's sort of one prohibition about engaging in any type of forbidden sexual relationship um, and that there's just a lot of different ways to actually, you know, violate that particular prohibition. Right. So one violated that prohibition in many different ways. The hell in one little in one time period, you would only bring one chatat. But what Rabbi Yochanan is telling us is that, no, this special mention of Karis with the Achot teaches us that each and every act of forbidden intercourse, each and every act of a, a forbidden sexual relationship 
is Chayev, um, is Chayev its own one. Um, and then uh, it wants to go on and say, Rabbi Yitzchak to Amar, and according to Rabbi Yitzchak, who said that all, for, you know, who said that all forbidden, uh, uh, all these forbidden relationships for which one gets karet, um is included uh, in, in this particular verse, right? Why is the sister mentioned? Right? So here, uh, you know, it, it, it's an order that he gets karet and he doesn't get malkut. He wouldn't get um, lashes. So that even though he, uh, you know, violated a prohibition, which usually a lotase just gets a punishment of malkut, right? Here it's coming to teach us that he doesn't get malkut, but actually gets a more severe punishment of kare. And so uh, he uses this halacha to, to teach us that we sort of divide, um, you know, we're, that we divide all these prohibitions uh, of, of forbidden sexual relationships and consider them sort of, a, a, that it's really like an independent prohibition. It's not like a regular lotase. And so the Gemara then wants to know, where does he derive this from? So he gets it from this pasuk. It's back, uh, uh, you know, to the case of Nida uh, from Vayikra, uh, chapter 18, verse 19, where it says, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she's an impure by your status of being Nida, which basically tells us that it's for each and every woman that he would do it with, he would be um, punished with. So, uh, you know, I, I, I thought this passage was interesting. First of all, I don't think Rabbi Yochanan believes that this could actually happen to Helam Echad, right? But I think what Rabbi Yochanan and what Rabbi Yitzchak are trying to teach us is, is sort of the severity of these prohibited sexual relationships. And that what the concern is, is that, look, we have many things that are forbidden in the Torah, right? We, we have many low tasses. But they're really trying to sort of emphasize these lotases are sort of on their own level. Uh, they're really prohibited or, or sort of they carry a severity that other lotases don't. And so I think they emphasize that by sort of giving, particularly in Rabbi Yochanan's case, sort of a fantastical t- teaching that could never actually come true. And I don't, you know, I think it's almost like he's exaggerating on purpose to show just how severe it actually is. I think also this is a good example to say, you know, uh, there are people who want everything in the Gemara to be taken literally and or they want everything in the Gemara to be a real life case, never a boundary pushing case. And we've obviously had our disagreements over what might be boundary pushing or not. But to suggest that Chazal never probe the parameters, you know, to see how far they'll go or to see what the what the psaq would be in the extreme case that they never expect to really happen. I, I think this kind of makes it clear that at least sometimes that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think, right, this is a great example of it's not meant to be taken literally. It, it, it's it's a way of speaking to emphasize a point. Or, or to, I would say, or to probe the case without actually thinking that like they're going to round the corner and, and find such a situation. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to jump to Amun Bet. There's a tiny little piece here that I think is actually fairly important. Um, okay. The Gemara says, first it talks about, excuse me, the Yavama, 
Um, right? We said, you know, how can it be that certain things should not happen in the general public? That was from the Mishnah, right? But the part that I want to talk about says, How do we derive the fact, meaning this, this halacha, that a woman would be betrothed to her husband through the act of, well, through the particular stage, right, of bia, of intercourse? Atya kicha kicha. So the Gemara says, well, it's derived, it says very tersely, it's learned, it's derived from the comparison between the word kicha and the, the word kicha. Meaning, meaning, when we're talking about the betrothal here, right, we say, you know, kilakach ish isha uba'ala, right, whatever, we've got a, when a man takes a woman as a wife, eh, takes, but that's the word, right, it says literally kicha, that he takes her and he marries her, that's devarim. Tvarim Kavdal, 24. And then the word kicha is also used in the context of um, prohibited, a prohibited in, uh, sexual encounter, where it says, and again, if a man would take his sister, right? It says kicha in that same verse. This verse, this time it's in the book of Vayikra, um, chapter 20. We're coming up on this parsha really soon. Um so depending on if you're in America, if you're in Israel, the parts here are not the same right now, whatever. But so the point is that um, this, um, it's not wordplay, but it does rely on the the words themselves, right? The fact that the same term is used. So therefore we understand that the same way that one is simply talking about marriage and the other is explicitly talking about a sexual encounter, then we understand that the case that's talking about marriage is lo and behold also talking about the sexual encounter and and that's it meaning it, it is that it asks the question in a very you know simple little way right and then and then it establishes it um without any like without any hesitation without any significant discussion without any machloket right there just there's a, a bunch of these you know how do we know this from this and, and the terms show up you know in two different places and we learn and apply it. And so that's what this is doing here. Now, I will say, not to give away the farm, that this discussion of kicha kicha is going to show up at least, a, you know, at least in Masacha Kiddushin, if not in several other Masachto between here, Yivamot and Kiddushin. But just to know, like, that this is, this kind of verbal analogy becomes critical for establishing certain kinds of halacha. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 